We ain't perfect. We don't do nothing perfect. But we serve one that's perfect. Amen. Amen. And he's made us perfect in himself. And uh, one day he will perfect us um, when we see him face to face. My good friend lost his wife this morning. Right at daylight, in fact. They uh, have been, um, she's been in hospice care for several days. And um, they really thought that she was, would make her transition Friday. But instead, she made that transition this morning, right at daylight. And he posted within a few moments um, after that that um, she, she fought her final war with pain. And she saw victory this morning. Resurrection victory, resurrection power. I'm grateful for that blessed hope. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter number 6. John chapter 6, and I'm going to pick this chapter up right, kind of right at the end of it, but um, then I'm going to take you and walk you back through it to this point just very quickly this morning. John chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading it at verse number 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, that word means truly, truly, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can hear it or who can bear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. That word means makes alive. It is the Spirit that makes alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, and therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. And from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading and preaching of His Word. This is a strange passage to preach on Resurrection Sunday morning. And you're going to have to bear with me a few minutes. My good friend from Kentucky used to say, it's going to take me a little while to get this plane off the ground, all right? 
So just hang with me. Let me share with you the context of what we just read before we dive into the actual text itself. There were a lot of folks following Jesus at this particular point in his ministry. If you go all the way back to the sixth chapter, the second verse, you'll see that Jesus uh, or John noted that people were following Jesus because of the miracles um, that they saw him perform. They had been witnesses of Jesus touching people and healing them of the various diseases that they had. And they began to throng after him. Um, and in the midst of that, that um, multitude of people being gathered to him, they gathered one day for him to teach and it got close to evening time and Jesus looked out on that crowd of folks and they were um, like sheep without a shepherd, one gospel writer said. And, um, and he told them to give them something to eat. And the disciples like, well, how are we going to give him something to eat? We, we don't have anything. We didn't bring anything. We don't have enough to feed this multitude of people, 5,000 men, plus the women and the children. And one of the disciples came and said, here's this little boy that's got five loaves. And he made sure that, they, that they, the disciples made sure Jesus knew. He's got five loaves and two small fish. But what are they with this great multitude? And Jesus said, bring them to me. He gave thanks for them, blessed them, and gave them back to them and said, Now you distribute it. They distributed among the people, and the people began to eat. And um, after they had all, the Bible says, ate to the full, they gathered back up the remnant of that, and there was 12 baskets left over. And, so, and then Jesus kind of escaped them and, and got uh, the disciples. Actually, he went to a mountain alone, and the disciples got in a boat and went to the other side of the sea of Galilee. And Jesus, in that night, came walking to them on the water. And the next day the people realized Jesus was gone and he got where he got to without a boat. And they met him there. And then you'll read in John chapter 6 verse 26 that after he had fed them to the full, he said, you're coming after me because you want more bread. You're following me because you want more bread. You, were, you ate of the loaves and you were filled and so now you're following me um, so that I can fill you up again, so that I can meet your needs again. Now they noted in John chapter 6 verse 31 that God had given them, or had given their ancestors rather, bread in the wilderness to feed them, manna from heaven. Um, I'm amazed at how much these little themes popped up this morning in the songs. But um, uh, he gave them manna that came down from heaven and um, they gathered it in the wilderness and ate of it. Um, Jesus noted, however, in that 32nd and 33rd verse um, that they ate the manna from heaven and died. But Jesus said, I'm come to give you bread that came down from heaven and you'll eat that bread and live forever. So, so, so when Jesus said that, when he said, I am that bread from heaven that came down to give you to eat so that you can live forever, the people were offended. He struck a nerve. And they said, who does this guy think he is that he came down? He said he came down from heaven. He's Joseph's son. He's Mary's son. We know who he is. Their unbelief in who he was really began to show. But he didn't back off. He didn't back off. The people were pursuing, they were pursuing him because they wanted the things that pertain to physical life. They were pursuing him to, to fulfill the lust of their flesh, the lust of their eyes. They were pursuing him for temporal physical things while Jesus was trying to get it across to them that he was offering himself as the only means of obtaining and sustaining spiritual life and eternal life I'm going somewhere with this I promise you now he knew they were offended because he said I'm the bread that came down from heaven 
No, you want, no you, you're, you're Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. He knew they were offended, but instead of backing off from his offensive language, what he said next really shocked their sensitivities. Probably shocked ours a little bit. Verse 53. He said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now that would have been particularly repulsive to the Jews because their law forbade them to eat meat that had any blood in it. They had to bleed their meat. They, blood was defiling to them. They weren't supposed to touch it. They, they were, it was to be offered as a sacrifice for them, but they were not to eat anything that had the blood in it. So to the Jews that didn't eat any meat with blood in it, for Jesus to say, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and if you don't, you have no life in you. They were particularly repulsed and offended by that. And in fact, in verse 60, it said they had, this is a hard thing for Jesus to say. Who can bear to hear such a thing? They were having a, a hard time wrapping their mind around it. Now, in verse 63, Jesus clarified to them that he was not speaking from a physical standpoint. He was speaking spiritually, not fleshly. He said, you're, you're thinking in the flesh. Your flesh won't help you here. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Your flesh profits nothing. In verse 34, he also revealed that some of them would never comprehend what he was saying, nor would they believe it. And in verse 66, a lot of those folks that didn't believe and wouldn't believe showed themselves by walking away from Jesus. It, it said very plainly that many of his disciples, that is those who once followed him, went back and walked with him no more. Jesus didn't chase them. He didn't try to run them down. Wait a minute, let me present it to you another way. What he said to them had been offensive. They could not bear it. And when they went away, Jesus let them go. He didn't chase them. He said, I'm, I, whether you like what I'm saying or not, I am the substance of life, and you cannot have it without me. But the life they were looking for was not the life he was offering. The life they were looking for was temporal. The life that they were looking for was, was natural. The life they were looking for was not spiritual life. It was not eternal life. It was just make our life better here and now. Most of them, according to verse 68, most, not all of them because Jesus said, I've chosen, I've chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil. But most of them that stayed with Jesus that day knew that he was the only one that could give to them the life that they longed for. He, J Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? Where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Now, let me clarify a few things before I tell you where I'm headed with all this this morning. First, Jesus' statement is not a reference to somebody partaking in the Lord's Supper. Let's get that out of the way from the get-go, all right? What Jesus is saying is not a reference to somebody taking the Lord's Supper. And I'm not trying to be harsh or critical of other belief systems, but I'm just going to tell you, matter-of-factly, the Bible does not teach us that the bread and the cup become the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when we take it.
That's transubstantiation. That's a doctrine that I do not believe, that I do not accept. I cannot take somebody the bread and the cup in a hospital room and give it to them, and if they eat it and drink it, they become the body and the blood of Christ becomes real in them, and they're saved because of it. That's not what the Scripture teaches us. The bread and the cup are not the actual body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We took communion Wednesday night here. And, and, and it, it is a commemoration. Jesus said, as long as, you, as long as you drink this bread and eat this cup, you show the Lord's death until He comes. And didn't have anything in that about it saving us by taking it or about it becoming His body and His blood. Now, His statement is clarified by all the dialogue that surrounds it. And now all that dialogue around that statement um, is it, surrounded by the fact that He said, you've got to believe some things about me. When you believe some things about me, you've eaten my flesh and you've drank my blood. And, and two of the things that, that, that he pointed out specifically is that he came from heaven. I, God, the Father sent me to do his will and to do his work in the world. You need to know that I was sent from heaven and that I came to give you the same life that I have, that the Father gave me and that I'm giving to you. I came to give you life. That life is not the temporal, natural life that they're looking for. That life that Jesus is talking about is that abundant life, that satisfying life, that natural and spiritual life that they can have right now, right here, and then forevermore. Um, one of the early church fathers, Augustine of Hippo, summarized that whole passage like this, Believe and thou hast eaten. Believe and thou hast eaten. Believe and thou hast eaten of the body and drank of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I need to talk to you for a minute about that word, believe. Because there's a, there's, there's a, an easy believism that is being taught today that does not reflect the doctrine of faith that the Bible presents to us as belief. The Greek word, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know how to use the Strong's and Cordis. I've not been to college, but I know how to use the tools that have been given to me. I wish I could read Hebrew and Greek, but I can't. I've resorted to looking up some words, and the, and the Greek word for belief or believe is pistuo. P-I-S-T-E-U-O. And here's what it means. You can look it up in Strong's and Cordis. To be persuaded of place confidence in, rely upon, and be committed to. Now that's an important definition. Because we got a lot of folks in the world, they want to give a mental assent to who Christ is. But that's as far as they want to take it. Yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, but that's as far as they go with it. But if you're persuaded of that, then biblical saving faith is that you not only have an, a mental ascent of that, but that you put your confidence in Christ. That you stop trusting your own works or your own merits, your own goodness, your, uh, or anything else for that. That, that, you, that you don't trust the sacraments, that you don't trust the baptism itself, that you don't trust anything, that you don't place your confidence or rely upon anything or anyone except what Christ, who Christ is and what Christ has done on the cross in the empty tomb. But the last part of that is that you actually 
be committed to that confidence in Christ. I think Jesus kind of, he, he, he helped us see that in that 56th and 57th. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. That's that. If, if we believe, we have eaten. And if we have eaten, um, then we have life in him. His life is in us. When we believe, we live in Jesus. He lives in us. We live in him and because of him. I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. Just hang on. The word life, because I've mentioned, I've mentioned that the people were following Jesus because they wanted something temporary, something natural, something to satisfy their flesh. Jesus is offering them a different kind of life than that that they're pursuing him for. The, the word that's translated life in the King James Bible actually conveys Several different Greek words and meanings, but the two most common, I'm not going to share all of them with you this morning because it'll just confuse you, but the two most common um, Greek words that are translated life in the King James Version of the Bible um, are suke, which is the same word that we get psyche from. Suke, it means soul, breath, um, the vital force that animates the body. The second word is zoe. It means absolute life, intensive life. Life as God has life, both spiritual and eternal. Now, every time you see the word life used in John chapter 6, it's a translation of Zoe. Let me say that again because I want you to go back and read this text sometime today. Everywhere that Jesus uses the word life in John chapter 6, or any, every time the word is used in John chapter 6, by Jesus, by Peter, by anybody, it is not the word suke. It does not mean, it does not mean soul. Soul is mind, will, emotion, the rational being. It does not mean breath. It does not mean the vital force that animates our physical body. Everywhere the word is used in John chapter 6, it means absolute life, intensive life, life as God has life, spiritual and Eternal. And let, let me just show you a couple of passages in John that use both words so that you can see the difference. John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. Y'all know this passage very well. John, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 10. The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, I have come that they might have life. Zoe. And then the very next verse, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life, suke, for the sheep. I'm laying down my breath. I'm laying down my soul. I'm laying down my flesh and blood body in order to give to you Zoe life. One more, one more verse, and then I'm going to land this plane, I promise you. John chapter 12, verse 25. This is an important passage and it ties directly into what I'm trying to share with you this morning. He that loveth his life, suke, that's the breath, the soul, the vital force that animates your body. He that loveth his natural, temporary, temporal life is going to lose it. 
And he that hateth his natural, temporary, we might say pain-filled, suffering life <laughs> in this world, shall keep it unto life, Zoe, eternal. So let me, let me help you understand it like this. Everybody in this room this morning has suke life. You got it? Everybody in this room, unless you did, some of y'all look like you might be on the verge. But I guess you're just sleeping in Jesus right now, all right? Everybody in this room this morning has the kind of life that the people that were pursuing Jesus was looking for. And when he wasn't offering them that, they walked away from him. Everybody in this room has that vital force, that breath, that soul that animates our body. We're living, we're breathing, we're, we're emotional, we're rational, we're thinking. We all have that. But only those who believe, by the biblical definition of the word believe, have Zoe life. Now that may or may not be everybody in this room. That's why the Bible says that we're dead in sins and trespasses. When you're born, you don't have Zoe life. You have suke life. But you're, walking, you're a walking dead man according to Ephesians chapter 2. You're walking dead. You've got to be born again. The life of God does not live in you. And they were pursuing. I mean, give us some more bread. Give us some more healing. Turn some more water into wine. Jesus said, you're, you're consumed with natural, physical life. And that's not the life that I'm coming to offer you primarily. What I'm coming to offer you primarily is the life that you don't have, Zoe life. Everybody, even the lost folks got suke life. You already got that. In fact, if you read Jesus' original sermon, he said, why are you worrying about the things that you're going to eat or the things that you're going to drink or the clothes that you're going to wear, where you're going to live at? Um, the Father, that you, he knows that you have need of all these things and he's taking care of providing you with those things. But you don't. You got to understand that, that what he wants you to do is not worry about those things, but that you seek the kingdom first. And his righteousness. And then he'll add those things to your life. He wants us to have Zoe life. Life as God has life. Spiritual life. And eternal life. Most of the people in John chapter 6 were following Jesus solely because they wanted him to support their Natural life. Their suke life. That was their top priority. Now, can I tell you that there's not a lot that's changed in the world today? There's a lot of people today who, who say that they believe in Jesus. But they believe in Jesus in this sense. Help me through these problems. Heal me of this sickness. Bless me with this job. Give me this. Relieve me of that. Make me happy, Jesus. Now, sometimes he might do all of the above. 
Sometimes he might do all of the above. Sometimes he might, sometimes he might heal your sickness. I'm pouring water everywhere. Just forgive me. It's water. Sometimes he might bless you with that job. Sometimes he might relieve you of some stress or anxiety. That water will dry. Hang on to that for just a second, will you? Don't spill it all over you like I've done me. Here you go, Ralph. This is what people do to Jesus today. They come to him and they say, give me a little of this. Give me a little of that. They believe in him in the sense that the devils believe in him. That's what James said. The devils believe. They know who Jesus is. In fact, every time he cast them out, they said, we know who you are. But they didn't place any confidence in him. They didn't rely on him. They've not committed themselves to him. In fact, they've committed themselves to walk contrary to them. Here's what, here's what I believe Jesus means when he says, I want you to live in me, and I want to live in you. He not only wants to fill our lives up, he wants us to live in him. So now I could hand out a bunch more empty cups this morning and go around this congregation and pour into your life. But who's really pouring into your life? It's Jesus pouring into your life, pouring out of my life. He don't want just a piece of you, and He don't want you to have just a piece of Him. He wants everything. I thought it was going to float there for a minute, John. I was going to back up, <laughs> let you sink it. He don't want you floating either, huh? Does that make sense? Stop running to Jesus for a little bit of a fill-up. That's not what He wants to do for you. Now, He does that. I, I, I will tell I will test it. In fact, the Bible says this. He makes it rain on the just and the unjust. He gives lost folks blessings and saved folks blessings. He gives us stuff that we don't deserve, not one of us. We can come to Him and ask Him to fix this or fix that or heal this or heal that. All of those are the signs. All of those are just signs. He's trying to show you how much He loves you. He's trying to show you how much He cares for you. But you don't have Him. You've not eaten Him. You've not drank His blood until you immerse yourself in who He is and in what He's done. And then that Zoe life becomes your primary pursuit. Now, I, I, I thought about it this morning, and I, this is a poor way to put it, I understand. Some, sometimes folks in addictions... That addiction consumes them so that they keep, I mean, they live their life. I, I, what I was going to do is apply that to the people that are just taking a little cup. But that, honestly, that, that addiction looks more like a person that has actually put all of their confidence in Christ. That they can't get enough of Him. That they can't live without Him. That they've got to have all of Him, whatever... He has to give to them. Now, now, here's what I want you to understand. If you've just been asking Jesus, if you've just been coming to Him for a little bit of this and a little bit of that, He might do some of it. He might do all of it. But if that's all you ever go to Him for, you're still going to die without having Zoe life. Now, the truth of the matter is this. Jesus laid down his 
Stay with me. Jesus laid down His suke life, His physical life. He did that from the day that He was born. He said, I didn't come to do my will, I come to do the will of the Father that sent me. He was saying that when He was 12 years old in the temple. He said that all of His life. He did that all of His life. His life was consumed by doing the Father's will and the Father's work in the world. And and part of that will and part of that work was I got to lay down my life so that I can pay the ransom for your sin. So listen to me. Jesus laid down His suke life, which literally means that He walked through hell on earth even to the cross. And you trust me in this. I don't care how bad a day you've ever had. We've had some bad ones and you've had worse than I have, I'm sure. But not one of us in our life has ever walked through the hell that Jesus walked through on the day that He was crucified on that cross. He laid it all down. He poured it all out in order that He might give us Zoe life. If we truly believe in Him, then we got to do the same thing with our own life. we got to trust Him with our suke life. we got to trust Him for our... Zoe life. Now, that means that we got to know Him, we got to love Him, we got to trust Him, we got to serve Him at any cost. Um, That is our top priority, and it don't matter what kind of hell we got to walk through with our suke life. As long as we've got Zoe life, it's going to be worth it. Because one day we're going to lay down our suke life. You hear me? One day you're going to breathe your last breath, and your heart's going to beat for the last time. Your suke life is going to be laid down. Your eternal life won't ever end, though. If you have been given life as God has life, that life don't end. And the good news is is that when He carries you into His presence in your Zoe life, there's going to come a day, uh, because Jesus is the first fruits of them that slept, there's going to come a day when that Zoe life is going to speak to that physical body in that grave, and you're going to have not just Zoe life forever, but you're going to have suke life forever, and and that life will never, ever, ever experience suffering or pain again. Somebody said one time, if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. Jesus might ask you to do some things that are hard. He might ask you to do some things that are heavy. He might ask you to do some things that that humble you. You understand there's a bunch of people walked away from Jesus that day because Jesus said, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me, nigh in him. He's going to ask us. He said in this life, you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In this suke. You have tribulation. Jesus didn't never promise us that prosperity gospel is being preached is not true. He never promised us that we would be without toil and trouble in this world. What He promised is that He would be with us and that He would give us life that would sustain us through it. Now, let me land the plane. The whole message today, the whole message today, it ain't been easy to preach and it probably ain't been easy for you to hear. But the whole message today, 
was planted in my heart. I intended to do some kind of resurrection message on Easter Sunday. But early in this week, I began to think about the life that Christ has offered and that He has given to those of us who believe. It was, the whole message was put in my heart by Jesus' question in John chapter 6, verse 67, when Jesus said, Will you also go away? I mean, I've offended some folks. They're not willing to trust me for what I'm saying. They're not willing to trust me for what I'm doing. They're not willing to trust me for what I'm going to offer them. They've walked away from me. Are you going to also go away? And then Peter's response, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal Zoe. Can I tell you that there's nobody else that has those words? There ain't anybody else that can give you eternal life. Jesus is the only man that ever defeated death and came out of the grave never to die again. On the same, on the same day that he rose again, I would, one of the questions I got when I get to heaven, okay, who got resurrected on resurrection day besides Jesus? Because the Bible said there were some Old Testament saints that came up out of the grave on resurrection day and showed themselves some of the folks in the city, and apparently they ascended right on to heaven. They didn't stick around. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, oh, who was you? Raise your hand if you got resurrected on resurrection day. On resurrection day. Raise your hand. I want to see who you are. I want you to tell me that story. Because Jesus was the first fruits of those that slept. They'd been sleeping in their spirit. They, they, they had been in the presence of Abraham, comforted like uh, Lazarus was. But Jesus went and shouted into that prison and said, Hey, all of you that got Zoe life because you believe, come out. I'm going to give you back your suke life and you can live with me forever. I, I don't think there's been anybody else resurrected since that day. But the Bible says there's coming a day. That all that are in the graves will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those that have heard and believed that voice, for who He claimed to be, are going to come forth to life. Suke, Zoe, forever. Those that have heard and not are going to come forth to a different kind of resurrection. They'll live, but it won't be a Zoe life. It'll be a life of eternal damnation, eternal death. Peter backed up what he said. I read the verse twice a while ago. I'm going to read it again. We believe and are sure. You can look this up for yourself. I ain't making it up. I ain't adding anything to the Word of God. Peter said, we believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to pause and just tell you that Peter said that a full year before Jesus died. Peter said that a full year before his body was broken. He said that a full year before Jesus' blood was shed. He said that a full year before Jesus walked out of that tomb alive. He said, we, we know that you are the Christ. The Son of the living God. And we have, we have submitted ourselves completely to you. He trusted it before he'd seen it. 
And he kept trusting it. Even when they crucified him. Listen to me. We keep running to Jesus. Give me a little of this. Give me a little of that. Bless me. Relieve me. Rescue me. He may do any and all those things, but that's not really one. He's not really focused on that here and now. He's focused on that there and then. And you got to understand what the disciples went through after the resurrection was hell on earth. They were beaten. They were stoned. They were persecuted. They were thrown in prison. They were hated by their own people. They were kicked out of the synagogues because they would not stop preaching a resurrected Savior. So much to the fact that every one of them, with the exception of the Apostle John, died a martyr's death. And John was boiled in hot oil and sent to the Isle of Patmos where he lived out the remainder of his days receiving the revelation that God gave him. Jesus told him that was going to happen. But when Peter was, when it was time for him to be crucified, he said, I don't want to be compared to Christ. Turn me upside down when you crucify me. Why? He had Zoe life. It didn't bother him that he was laying down his suke life because he knew that he had the life that counted. Now, here we are 2,000 years later looking back at an empty cross. And even better than that, looking back to an empty tomb. There ain't nobody in that tomb. There ain't been nobody in that tomb since Jesus came out of it 2,000 plus years ago. He's alive. You realize that everybody in Jerusalem wanted to see that body. The Jews wanted to put to rest the idea that Jesus was who he said he was. The Roman officials wanted to quell this insurrection that they saw. The disciples were willing to give their life for the testimony that he's alive. So here we are looking back. Here we are looking back. And he's still inviting us to believe. He's still inviting us to trust him with more than physical life. With more than temporal life. He's inviting us to more than just breathing, eating, drinking, frivolous pursuits. He's inviting us to lay our life down. So that we can find it and receive eternal life in exchange for it. Man, I see people get consumed by so many things. They consumed by a hobby, consumed by a career. Consumed by the, the lust of this life, the fleshly lust that war, the Bible said they war against our soul. I want you to be consumed by the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I did, I did that for a long time. Just give me a little bit of Jesus here and there and it'll be good. Just give me a little bit of Jesus here and there and I'll be good. My life didn't ever change. It didn't change because I didn't truly believe. But I'm telling you, the night I surrendered to Jesus, I went all in. <laughs> I went all in. And who He was and what He's did and what He had for me to do. My prayer went something like this. God, I'm a wretched wreck. My life is a train wreck of sin. I don't even know where to start 
naming my sins. I didn't. Listen, if I had to write my sin list, I'd have still been writing it. But I just came to him and said, Lord, I'm dead in my sins and trespasses. If you can do anything with me or for me, save me. And I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I went all in. First Tuesday night, October 1993. Preached my first sermon first Wednesday night, 1993. He ain't calling us all to be pastors behind a desk. But he's calling us all to be preachers that are immersed in him. And he in us. So that we walk through this world pouring him out to others. You know what? And as you give people those little tastes of who he is, they get to craving that what you have. And you can point them to the one that can give it. So here's my question to you. Same, same question Jesus asked. Will you also go away? That's all, you know what? It comes down to the answer to that question. It comes down to whether or not we're going to walk away from Jesus or whether we're going to walk to him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And say, here I am, I'm yours. Let's stand together. Lord, I appreciate your help this morning. It sure wasn't the easiest message that I've ever preached. Some hard stuff to understand there. A lot of it I'm still trying to wrap my heart and my mind around. I'm not a Greek scholar and I didn't have any intention of trying to present myself as such this morning, but we need to know a difference. Lord, we need to know that, 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 that a person can live and breathe and have feelings and be blessed and still not have eternal life. God, I pray if, if they hadn't heard anything else this morning, if there's one here that's lost, maybe, maybe they've been just sipping from that cup all of their life. It scares me to think about the number of people that have made a false profession of faith, but have never really died to their self. And God, if there's any of those folks here this morning, I'd rather them have no security than a false sense of security. I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, you just ask every heart in this building, just like you've asked mine this week, will you also go away? And Lord, I'm going to stand here and testify just like Peter did. <laughs> Lord, there's nowhere else that I can get what you gave me. No one else has the words that bring Zoe life. 
I believe more today than I ever have that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, my Savior and my Lord, and my soon-coming King. And I pray, God, that if there's one here this morning that can't testify the same thing, that right here in this moment, the Holy Spirit would do what you said you would send Him to do, convince them of sin, convict them of sin, convince them of who you are, and warn them of the judgment. Bring them to a place of repentance. I pray you just save the lost here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Here I come.